Hey, this is Ross King, and you're listening to Unfinished, a limited series podcast where I take you song by song through the writing and recording process of my newest record, also called Unfinished. For me, the process of making a record is emotional and thrilling and exhausting and all kinds of other things, and I look forward to taking you inside and sharing with you some of the stories of the journey. Thanks for joining me. Let's dive in. Matthew 18 says this, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, So who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a small child and had him stand among them. Truly I tell you, he said, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And you know, the Bible's got a good bit of this talk. Uh, Jesus seems to be very, very interested in both being around kids and teaching others to model themselves after the attitude and uh, faith of kids. And then you get into like something like C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, where it seems like a central point of those books is that imagination and faith are closely connected. And that when we are young, we have access to this sort of boundless imagination that allows us to believe all kinds of stuff that as we get older, we might be less likely to believe. And at the same time, you know, you have books of the Bible like the Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes, all kinds of Old Testament stuff that exalts and affirms the goodness of aging. You know, wisdom that comes with it, you know, the life experience and sort of a balance. The song Older is about that balance. I was thinking so much about how I missed some of the zeal and imagination and passion of my youth. And I also was finding myself grateful for the life experience and the wisdom and the discernment and even some of the growth through trauma that I had gained just from getting older. And at the same time, I was, you know, as I'm raising teenagers, I'm seeing a lot of the sort of downsides of being young, you know, just kind of a lot of ignorance and foolishness. I mean, and then there's, of course, a bunch of downsides of being old. It's harder to stay in shape and I'm having to go to the doctor more and take more pills and stuff, you know. And so, so this song was just me trying to dive into that balance and find some kind of fun and truthful thing to say. This episode of the podcast uh, features an an interview that I did with my good friend, Carter Froge, who also co-wrote and co-produced the song Older. Hope you enjoy the conversation. It was a really fun time. So I started to work on this idea that there was a balance between being older and wiser and being glad that I I have been through some hard things and have more wisdom kind of counterbalanced against man, when you're young, you have all this like passion and zeal and excitement and faith. And I, I wanted to write something that spoke to both of those things. And at the time I'd been writing a lot with my friend Carter, who is literally half my age. And so is that true. I think it probably is. There's yeah. no, no need to do the math in this moment, but I think it's, it's pretty close. So we were writing together a lot, and I just loved that 
despite our age difference, we had this great connection and our and our tastes were really similar. And so and I'd been looking um, I'd been wanting to find a, a, a way for us to write together for my stuff because we were doing a lot of other stuff, you know, we're writing a lot of CCM and sync and stuff. So our connection writing was just so good that I just thought, man, I got to bring him in. So I'm not sure if you even remember this, but you at the time still had a space at the building um, at Provident. At Provident. Yep. And so I said, can we get together to write for me? And gosh, you know, thank you, because now you know what that's worth. But but we, we got together, and, I, and all I had was a chorus, and I think I just had like a track that was kind of maybe piano or something, and I brought it to you, and you were like, yeah, I'm into this. Sometimes I wish I had the hunger that I felt when I was younger, when the faith in my heart was new. I was ready for whatever belief that I could weather any valley that you led me through. And now I've lived a little longer. My but the first thing you did is you changed the key. I don't even remember what key that, that it was in. But I'll be honest, I don't remember. I barely remember the session. No, and I and that's okay because we both have lots, and of course it matters. Because we were writing like all the time, several times a week. And you changed the key, and immediately started started to build a track. Mm-hmm. And then I don't remember if you had the idea or I had the idea, but there was an idea for that that post chorus BGV. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so we really quickly started to track that. Like we we went ahead and did a bunch of stacks of that. Yep. And that that's what's on there now. Basically, there's it's beefed up. Yep. But that's what's on the final track is what we did there. And I think I had some of that rappy-ish first verse, but not not all of it. I feel I feel like you had the the entire chorus. Yes, I know I had the chorus. I had pieces of of all of it. But the funny thing was, like, um, part of why I brought it to you was that well, one, I liked the idea that you were kind of the younger and I was the older in, in that metaphor in my mind. But also I loved that. Um, it's such a, it's such a pop song. And so like kind of cheesy white guy rap song that I was nervous that people would think it was corny, you know? And so I thought, well, Carter's got his finger on the pulse of like what's cool. Cause he's young or whatever. And so if he thinks this is not corny, then well, it's okay. I think this was also the era where we were really loving Alec Benjamin. Yes. He kind of walks this line of almost gimmicky corny. Yes. But he doesn't a really cool... That's uh, true. Which I remember you were really into at the time. Which yeah, yeah. We yeah still both some, my that. son Sam had, had gotten way into Alec Benjamin and had gotten me into him. And you're right. There's a bunch of like, wait, is he rapping here? And is it cheesy? No, it's awesome. But when I showed it to you, you liked it. And I remember like kind of breathing a sigh of relief, which is so dumb. Like I should be more secure, but I just didn't know. One of the things that's happened in in my writing, and it's, again, part of why I came to you is because a lot of this was formative stuff that happened in us writing so much, Mm -hmm. is I've started to say, if I really believe that, that the lyrical content is good and the lyrical kind of rhythm is good, I don't get as obsessed with the pitched tones being a certain way. I, right. I just think, oh, it, it's got these beats and these beats work and yep. these words work over those beats. It even comes down to like, if you listen to that song to older, the first verse and the second verse, they're not the same melody. They're just two different melodies right. with a lot of yep. like beats. You know, yep. it's kind of rapped, it's kind of sung, but I don't worry about the symmetry. And that's a pop thing, right? And a lot of co-writers that I could bring that to would say, no, 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 you got to make them the same. But you were the kind of writer that that I knew that if I showed you any number of 
melodic choices, if they were all good, you wouldn't care if they were the same because we listen to the kind of music. Right. Because pop's full of this. I mean, yep. like anything with a feature in modern pop music is going to have two different verses. Yes. If you pull and it up, helped because it was for your project. Well, that helps too. Yeah, we're not worried about... We're not worried about... Okay. Some gatekeeper. Yeah. And we were just chasing what we thought felt good. And now I've lived a little longer, my face a little stronger, after all the trouble I've seen. I know even when I'm older, I ain't ever getting over what you did when you died for me. Honestly, it's hard for me because I can see when I started out, didn't have any doubt or cynicism. I was driven like a man on a mission. And now I got some something that a lot of people don't don't understand about what Carter and I do is that when you go into a co-write with an artist, you have to kind of think about the commercial side of it. You don't want to be driven by that, but you have to kind of think, oh, this is an artist that will go to the to the radio. There's money there. This is an artist that's in this genre. This is an artist who's mm-hmm. independent. Oh, that might be harder. You know, so we don't want to be driven by that, but you but we have you bills have to, have to pay. You have an awareness. That's right. We have bills to pay. So I knew that coming to Carter and saying, hey, do you want to write a Ross King cut? There's no money in that for you. So the appeal is... I want you to have a lot of fun and be really proud of this. Mm-hmm. Like that's because in our business, there isn't always a lot of that. We, right. we Even if you're writing songs that are monetized, sometimes you're like, oh, I don't really love what I'm making. Yep. And so one of the ways I try to sell people on co-writing with me or producing, like with Ben and Mark, I, I will say, you won't make as much money off me, but I'll let you do what you want. Yep. I'll let you have fun. I'll, I will it, want you to be proud of it. And it's not always just a general, I don't like this genre or market. But sometimes you may just not click with what that artist likes. Exactly. They might just, in general, like the structure of verse one and verse two. They have to be the same. That's what I like to listen to. Right. Which, for somebody like me or you, that could be a hang-up of, man, I just want to chase what feels good. Right. And we just happen to like the same stuff. Right. And you and I both have been exposed to enough music where the whole song is over and you don't realize till you re-listen that the verses aren't the same because they were both executed so well right. that you don't notice that there's a lack of symmetry, right? And, and, and ultimately, very few, if any, just normal consumers of music are picking songs apart and going, okay, here's why I like this. Oh, I like this because the ver- you know <laughs> the verses are the same. Nobody cares. They just want, do they like it? Right. Why I like this is not even a question in almost anyone's mind ever. Yeah. You know, why is this meal good? You don't talk about how salty it is. You just say it's good. This is good. Right. Right. And that's a great point. Unless you're a cook, then you like to dissect it. Well, let me tell you why. Right. (laughs) And then you start getting further and further from what really matters to the the consumer. And and so that's a lot of it too, is that I, I think you and I both... We're, we're aware of rules, and you know, I'm using air quotes, rules that are out there for how we should be doing this, but we both know eh, a lot of great music doesn't follow those rules. I mean, I remember, yeah. and, you, and you probably do too, I remember early moments of hearing a Ryan Tedder song or, or, or hearing you know, something with like a feature on it where the second verse did something the first verse didn't do, mm-hmm. and thinking, whoa, what? That's not... You know, or even this happens a lot now in in a, in a lot of modern music. The second verse is longer than the first in a lot of modern music. Yeah, yeah. And that that's weird because we're told second verse shorter, if anything. You know, and so all those having those experiences where 
where you hear a song and go, I love this, whether or not it follows these rules, makes you want to go, oh, well, then I don't, I don't have to follow those rules. Yep. And I think there are some situations where, like if we're writing for your stuff and you're saying, well, this isn't going to be a radio single, we don't have to worry about rules at all. But if it's for an artist where they're looking for a certain thing for a certain market, I feel like the way we usually do it is the rules kind of come second and you can kind of restructure. Okay, let's change this. But you always want to start with just chasing what feels good. Right. Or you're going to be bored. You know, you're why are you even doing it if right. you don't like to listen to it? And then you go back and go, okay, technically, I think this should be, you know, is, is second verse too vague? Yeah, you know? or, did, or did we go too far outside of the parameters here? No one's going to get this. Yeah, they, yeah and, sure. or even as specific as, I know they're A&R and they're going to say this. Right. Let's let's just make sure they're on board. Yeah. And there's no, nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing. And, and But one of the freedoms of writing indie music or writing your own music is that you get to right. get to do that. And and one of the, you know, kind of the point of all this was for me to say that Carter and I had written so much music that had gatekeepers and had made so many choices in those rights to oftentimes do what we didn't want to do, knowing that gatekeepers were there or doing what we did want to do and then having it be, you know, critiqued. So this was a moment where, where I could say, Carter, let's chase a really cool idea here and do whatever we want to do. Um, so you may not recall any of this, but I'm going to tell people who are listening. So, so the producers of my record, you know, sort of through and through are Benjamin Backus and Mark Campbell and that kind of the final on, on, on all this stuff. But Carter's a great producer. And so I wanted him to build the track and kind of, you know, once I, once we we began to write the song, I was like, Hey, I want you to direct the mood of this, direct the vibe of this. Ben and Mark can finish it up, make some changes and things, but I want you to like paint this canvas first so do you have any memory of anything that you decided to do maybe we had to do it twice because well, you lost i was stuff. just gonna say this is i think this is interesting um you don't took, always my, my record took a long time as everyone knows <laughs> so this is not carter's fault it's my fault it's kind of my fault but and i think it's good for people to know that mistakes and <laughs> road bumps happen when you're making music even on a computer stuff stuff happens I mean, from the production side, I won't go too deep into it. It was just chasing what, what feels good. We were right. really into stacking gangs until it felt good. You know, there, yeah. there's not always, for me with production, there's no real strategy. Right. A lot of it's guessing and searching until you go, oh, that feels good. Well, and even today, we were before this recording, we were talking about how you say you end up you know, having some huge lush production and you'll start turning things down mm-hmm. and then realizing, uh, I'm turning that, turning that down so much. It just needs to go. Absolutely. You know, so a song can get overproduced and then pulled back. Yep. But on, on this one, there was the bouncy piano, which I loved. There was this sort of rap influenced drum beat. There was some kind of like, this didn't make it, but there was Do a, you remember re- the acoustic guitar. Yes. And I'm, I'm, that's my only regret, regret about this whole thing is you had this really oh, cool your entire acoustic, album. No, no, oh, maybe. Well, yeah, no, of this song. And oh, it's, a small, it's a small regret. It's fine. So You but, don't really play acoustic all that well. You're way better than you used to be. But you wouldn't call yourself you an acoustic. You were today, weren't you, for a yeah, second? Yeah, dude. You, <laughs> he played today, and it was great. No, but Carter always says I'm not an acoustic player. I'm a piano player. Right. Which, you know, but you did this really cool little little picking thing, and then you, and then you, you slowed messed it, slowed with it. Slowed it down at the end of each note. It's like... This yeah. little like, tape, kind of a tape slowdown thing that you did, and it was awesome.
we loved it. And you kept being like, yeah, when you finalize this, get them to play it again. Yeah. And, and then we just lost it. So, but th- this is interesting. I feel like we wrote it and then you started working on your album maybe like, I don't know, a year later. You, yeah. I can't remember, but. It was a while. Um, you had mentioned me co-producing it and then mm-hmm. you were like, you know, can, can we get the stem so these other guys can start building off of it? And I had just switched computers and <laughs> I had taken everything off my original computer, put it on an external hard drive. And I don't know what happened in the process, but... It's all ones and zeros. I mean, I don't this, know. All, you know, this it, whole thing is so... It's amazing we don't lose more stuff, to be honest. Yes. In this case, I lost a bunch of things. I actually had lost... Uh, Besides think, my stuff? Oh, my gosh. I lost an entire EP for somebody. We did do over the EP. Man. It was horrible. Um, so then I'm looking for Ross's thing, and I go, Oh, no, please don't tell me this is gone. And it was. It was totally well, gone. And you sent me a pile of stuff. I think, I can't remember the order of all this, but at some point you sent me a pile of tracks, and I was like, that's not all the tracks. So, yes, because the way we did this song, it was structured into two different sections, uh, two different sessions. I believe the second session, um, yeah, is where we did a lot of the vocals, right. a lot of the gang. So if we're going to do 80 stacks of gang vocals, sometimes it's, at the time, my computer was not awesome. And so having a separate session kept the computer running smoothly. So Oh, so you're so what he's saying for you as you don't understand is he's building a bunch of tracks in one recording session and the processing power kind of reaches its 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 limit. So he's like, "All right, I'm going to I'm I'm going to drop that down to a stereo mix of all that." Yeah. And then we'll do a new session where we add a bunch of more tracks to it. Yeah. And that's kind of hacky, but it's what we, people like us have to do. Yeah, I mean, I I think also my I think I remember my uh, computer charger was like held together by a stick or something hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. It yeah. was it was not a great yeah. tech time for me. But anyway, I think we ended up redoing a decent amount of it. And yeah. it was funny. I remember trying to get that guitar right and I just couldn't get it the way it was, which is... And what's funny about, is that you didn't spend a ton of time on it the first time. So, but You this, did it in like two minutes. This is the a weird session. thing about music is, and this is the same with vocals... And basically anything live, in my experience, a lot of the time, what you do first is the best. You're feeling it for the first time. You're experiencing that part for the first time. Outside of like just generally messing up, I think once you start to like overthink, okay, I really need to pick these perfectly, then it feels too robotic, feels weird. Right. Um, same with singing. Half yeah. the time I go back to the demo vocal and and that. you're you're a very I know this because we've written together hundreds of times now, but you're a very, hey, I feel this right now. I'm going to do it. You have classical training, but you're not you're not necessarily using that in the moment. You're using your just your feeling. Oh, yeah. no. And sure. so there's not even like a sense of, I'm going to bookmark how I did this. You're right. just doing it and being like, now let's move on to the next thing. And there really wasn't any sense of what what it took to get that. And so if you got to go back and if you got to go back and do it, you know, no, I have a song that, that I wrote years ago for my Christmas re- record. It's called The Song of Gabriel, and I wrote it in Dadgad, and it's super hard to play. And I only play it about every couple of years. I'll, I'll do a Christmas concert that I have to play it, and I have to relearn it every single time. Oh, yeah. And I think I'm playing it different every time because I don't know how to play it. You know, <laughs> So that yep. kind of stuff is probably not common to all musicians, but it's common to a lot of us. It is to me. And it's what makes – I think it's part of what makes it fun is that you know, in the moment you built this guitar thing – and I'm built. You just sort of just 
burped it out almost, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, there it is. And it's really cool. And it wasn't super thought out. It was, it was with really my phone too. Do you remember that? No. Yes. Really? It was with my phone because I was also on a kick of using my phone. And I think part of it was just because I thought it was cool because other People you know, big it, yeah. producers, I was yeah. like, oh, I got to do that too. Um, but it made but for a cool sound. The iPhone mic is it's decent. very good considering the fact that it's a phone. No, I have a song on my two records ago called Good Company where the entire choir at the end of the song was me sending out to my fans. Here's the vocal line. Please sing this into your phones and really? send it back to me. So there's a choir at the end with like 25 phone recordings of people singing a, singing a part. That's amazing. It's really fun. Um, well, I don't want to spend much time doing this but because this probably isn't interesting to anyone else except us. But um, I'm interested in us. But I do want to say that you know it was really fun to... To have a song that I knew was not going to be among the more serious things or the more like necessarily, um, it was going to be way more like pop, which I, I love pop music and, and I've been trying to find ways to make my music more pop. And it was fun to come in and say, hey, here's the kind of music that you and I like to make that we never get to make mm-hmm. and let's go for it. And on top of that, for it to have this kind of a, you know, this is really artsy, but to, for there to be this subtext of the song is about the balance of youthful energy, youthful passion with older guy wisdom, which was a lot of what our relationship is and right. was, you know, is Carter comes in excited, passionate about something. And then I'm like, well, hold on, you know, or I come in, you know, kind of grumpy and he's like, dude, let's, and he, he comes in with his joy and excitement and energy. And so that's a lot of who we are as friends. And so it was a really fun way to make a metaphor out of our friendship and then have this song that spoke to this idea that, that was true for both of us. Yeah, I love that. If you would ask me a decade or so ago how I know that my faith is alive and reliable, I would have told you that what I hold to is so true and theologically unshakable, whatever I go through. But when we run out of money or somebody dies, we look the darkness in the eyes and we realize that what doesn't kill us keeps trying a million times, and by the grace of God, we survive. Sometimes I wish I had the hunger that I felt when I was younger, when the faith in my heart was new. All right. Well, thank you, Carter, for all your work on it. And is there anything else about the session or the time that you would share? I, man, I love that song. And, you know, when you write a lot with somebody, you start to notice they have certain strengths, certain weaknesses. You know where I'm weak. You know where I'm strong. And Mm -hmm. I like that we got a chance for you to kind of use all of your strengths from lyrically, concept, my favorite thing is when you can work with an artist and just go, I'm just going to let them do their thing. Right. I'm just going to kind of cheer them along. Right. And let them know that what they're doing is good. So. You're great at that. And and it's it's fun because I I have this issue that I feel like a lot of CCM isn't very fun. Some of it is, some of it's not. But for some reason, when, when Christian musicians try to be fun, it often comes off as hokey or mm-hmm. it can come off as disingenuous or something. And, and I just... A lot of my career is spent being super serious in my music. And so as I've gotten a little bit older, I've wanted to, to be a little bit more relaxed about that and a little bit less self-serious. And so this was a chance to have a lot of fun and make a track that felt really fun. And look, I just don't... Uh, more songs need a post-chorus hook 
with just la la's <laughs> yeah. or ooh oohs or whatever. And that I love. That's I remember the first time that that kind of dropped. Da, 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 da. I just mm-hmm. thought, man, this is so cool, you yeah. know. And it actually, you know, uh, the last thing I'll say is, you know, you and I have written a good bit of sync music and that is a real sync kind of a moment of yeah. like, oh, you could just roll that over a Target commercial or something, you know, mm-hmm. and, it, and it might work. And, I, and I'm, as a lyricist, I feel especially pleased when I'm a part of something that's not lyrical. Mm-hmm. But it's all, but it's compelling in some way. Like it creates a it creates a feeling because I don't yeah. ha- I don't know how to do that very very well. So it's so it's fun to have you um, step into that and kind of bring your melodic and pop sensibilities to that to make it like oh this moment works even if the rest of the song doesn't work and I hope it does. But even if it doesn't, this works. This is a cool you know they call it a hook because it's yeah. supposed to grab you you know and and I think I think it's kind of grabby. So I love, that. I love that about it. Thanks, man. Love you, bro. You too, buddy. As of today, the day I'm recording this, I just turned 50. Good grief. And Carter is, I think, 25 or 26, literally half my age. But we're really good friends. And I'm sure there are a lot of reasons why we're such good friends, and most of those reasons are probably not that interesting. But I think the fact that we are so close is interesting because it flies in the face of a lot of the conventional logic. We're not from the same part of the country. I have kids and he doesn't. He loves to fish. I love woodworking. We have some differing political beliefs. And I'm twice as old as he is. But we have these complementary skills within a career that we both love like crazy. And we just enjoy creating together. And when we create, we laugh, we talk about God, we encourage each other, and we make good art together. And then, of course, because of those shared experiences, we've learned to really trust each other and enjoy each other. I think our relationship is a really cool sort of micro picture of the body of Christ functioning the way it should. Two people, very different in all kinds of ways, walking alongside each other and seeing the good in each other, seeing the God in each other. And because of our differences, we're able to step outside our own experiences and see more of what's possible, more of what's important, more of what's beautiful. And sometimes I do wish I had the hunger that I felt when I was younger, but I hang out with Carter or anyone half my age And I get a chance to feel that again. And now I have lived a little longer. And because of all the trouble and trauma I've seen, my faith is stronger. And that makes me able to help a younger friend who calls me, as Carter sometimes does, and says, hey, can you help me understand this thing that only a guy as old as you can understand? We need each other. Not just me and Carter or me and any of my friends. We, all of us, need each other. And that's not just some cheesy motivational platitude. That's the kingdom of God. A kingdom where gray hair and wrinkles aren't flaws as much as they are battle scars, marks of experience. And where childish imagination isn't just foolishness, it's also a glorious and sacred tether to the kind of faith that not only pulls us into the arms of Jesus, but also grants us an inheritance to the very kingdom itself. So, if you're feeling too old to be relevant or too young to be respected, take heart. You have much to give and much to receive. Thanks for listening. Places that grown ups would never go. Try to balance a childlike faith with a wise old soul.